Welcome to Dragon Talk. How's it going, everybody? I'm Greg Tito, and I'm joined by my favorite co-host, Shelly Mazzanoble. We broke her in the beginning banter to this uh, yeah. this year's segment. Hello, everyone. How goes it? It's great. Yeah. How about you? I am having fun because it's Monday, and I just drank a half a cup of coffee that was loaded with sugar, so this is going to be a good, good interview. Oh, it's going to be yeah. a quick one. Yeah. <laughs> it's very fast. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk to an awesome person. Uh, yeah. She is uh, named Molly Knox Ostertag, and uh, she is a comic book writer, uh, but also a dungeon master in her own right. So Ew. I'm excited to talk to her about uh, uh, both her work and uh, in storytelling, as well as uh, all about uh, dungeon mastering. I have questions. I have lots and lots of questions. Lots of questions, exactly. Uh, she wrote uh, the uh, uh, book called The Witch Boy. I actually have it right here. Uh, it is a graphic novel, um, and uh, I just kind of read it over the last, you know, I picked I saw it up. You. And I saw I, you. And I, pff, I went right through it. You saw me in the gym today reading it through. Yep. Uh, I think it was uh, our friend Jefferson, who works in a creative group. He's like, oh, I know. I'm so glad you're having her on. I'm like, oh, my God, do you have a copy of her book? And he brought it in, and I pff, read it very, very fast. Pff, it's good stuff. Yep. Yeah. Uh, love it. So we'll talk all about it as well as uh, uh, more with Molly in a couple minutes. But right now we have a bunch of uh, D&D announcements. Do you want to do it uh, this time again? No. 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 See, I it's hard. You. It's hard. I don't like it either. It's, don't you have to do it? Well, now we have to because now we're going to talk about... Can you do like a ticker down at the bottom or something? On an audio podcast? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll have someone like just uh, uh, slowly... Quietly. Quietly oh, saying that Dragon Magazine. It's like it's <laughs> that wouldn't be distracting. <laughs> okay, now we're gonna have to do that now throughout the whole episode. We'll have Shelly record that over and over again, do it on a loop. Um, <laughs> to Kanan's Tome of Foes is uh, been announced. It's coming out, people. You can pre-order it uh, on the D and D Beyond or I on saw Amazon. Pages of it. It, in wide, our area, the did wide. You see? I did right. Anyway, cool. I got I got some copies. I got some th- copies here gotta, that you can check out. I gotta fix myself. Um, so uh, well, great because I can talk about Morning King's Tim of Foes and how awesome it is while you're fixing yourself. <laughs> wide release is May 29th. As I said, the cover artist is Jason Rainville. Uh, May 18th is the, when you can start to get the special alternate cover, uh, which is only available in game stores, uh, so make sure you tell all of the game stores that you frequent that you want to purchase one, uh, because I know there has been some people who weren't able to get any of the special copies uh, because uh, they, they didn't have enough ready to go, so tell, uh, maybe even pre-order it with your uh, local game store and make it in noon, and it is awesome. This one is designed by uh, Vance Kelly, and uh, I love it. I love that there's so many different like cosmic elements of what's going on. There's teal and blue. In fact, we loved it so much we used it for our uh, our Twitch background as well as all of our uh, social backgrounds uh, for the near future. It's wow. going to be pretty awesome. So go check that out. Very cool. More information will be coming about this on the podcast uh, through Lori Cheneau as well as um, on the D&D Beyond website and YouTube channel that our friend Todd Kenrick is running. Uh, he'll be doing lots of interviews with uh, Mike Merrills, Jeremy Crawford. Look at that cutie patootie. I know, a cute little monster guy. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I was in a meeting when we were, we were trying to determine what that monster was and we had the answer and now I forget. So <sighs> I am not uh, going to be able to make that an amazing thing. Uh, but one other thing about D- D&D Beyond I want to make sure you guys knew about is that you can test out Unearthed Arcana available uh, material in D&D Beyond, in your character builder. It's not official. It's not going to be a part of the normal offerings for D&D Beyond. You have to kind of click a special box in order to get access to it. But it's a nice way to try out different character building yes. things uh, with the ease of using the D&D Beyond character builder. So Everybody loves that thing. It's good stuff. 
Plus, you can also get the Blood Hunter class. It was a, a uh, special piece of material that was created by Matt Blood Mercer. Hunter. Yeah, for Critical Role. He made this special class uh, that you can get in D&D Beyond uh, because of their awesome uh, partnership with Critical Role. And the code for that 10% off uh, purchase of the Blood Hunter class is Beginnings with a B. In the beginning, capital B. I'm not sure if it's uh, case-sensitive or not, but if it is, capital B, beginnings. Beginnings. The password is beginnings. We should do, like, yeah, we did this last time. Let's do it. Next time I'll do it for real. I love 70s and 80s game shows. Yeah, like Match Game? Yeah. Do you like the new Match Game? Have you seen it? Mm -mm. I haven't seen it yet either, but I I was excited that they bought it back. $25,000 Pyramid? Yeah. That was the best game ever. I know. I love that it was also like twenty five thousand dollars. You're like, this is the most oh, money you could possibly oh, yeah. win, and it's like twenty five million. Circle. Yeah, and I think they made like a. Did they make like a hundred million? I think there was. Yeah, yeah, hundred thousand dollars. I mean, I, I was really good at that game. I was too, and I liked. You're right. It was a great way to like make it celebrities feel normal, and it's kind yep. of what uh, Jimmy Fallon has done in in what he you know by making just like games on his talk show with celebrities feel fun. Oh yeah. Right. It's, I feel like he was going. He was tapping into that '70s yeah. stuff. That was so yeah. Do you know I have friends of mine who do um, match game, basically uh, for uh, packs for like for like packs conventions, Mm-mm. and they basically get you know uh, folks to. I don't remember. I know the match it. game, but now I can't remember. You like write in responses to a question, and then the, the people have to like, oh. you know, and usually it's like an excuse to say some like, like dirty jokes. Board but. games that are exactly that. Um, are there board games that are exactly like match game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which one is? Um, like Pictionary? Is that what you're talking about? Win, lose, or draw? I'm confused. No. This is, this is really solid content. No whammies. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Press your luck. Yes. Yes. I liked, I liked that one, too. Yeah, that was a good one, too. Yeah. Joker's Wild. Oh, my gosh. I totally forgot about Joker's Wild. Yeah. Concentration? You remember Concentration? No. I don't. I, I, <laughs> All he remembers Chuck Woolery was the uh, the, uh, oh, the host of all those things. Like the host of everything. Yeah. Anyway. Thank thank you for taking that stroll down memory lane with us, you guys. Um, Ryan was really excited about that. <laughs> we got on that topic because we were talking about beginnings <laughs> from D&D Beyond. Just want to make sure we all brought beginnings. it back. <laughs> the password is <laughs> Twitch subscriptions are live now. <laughs> Thank you, everyone who has uh, subscribed uh, to this, this nonsense. We appreciate it. You are the best. Uh, you can't get this content anywhere else, no. people. Um, and uh, we love everything, and we're working on new ways to get uh, the nine ninety nine tiers as well as the twenty four ninety nine tiers to get even more amazing Dungeons and Dragons stuff. I know, hinting at the future. Not what you're supposed to do, but I'm doing it, people, because it's going to be amazing. Uh, so thank you for that, uh, and uh, I love seeing all of you in the chat uh, throughout all the content that we have going on here on the D&D really Twitch nice. channel. Um, if you haven't been able to check out some of the new stuff on Mondays, 12 noon, we are uh, showing off craft hags with Denny Hartel. She designs cool. and creates cosplay. Uh, and she's That's doing, cool. I know. It's really cool. She talks about everything that she's doing it. And in this uh, next couple of weeks' sessions, she'll be making cosplay of her D&D character, Scrummy, which is super awesome. Um, and then on Tuesday, we have like a full slate of programming from 1 to... Gosh, really, uh, uh, 8 p.m., so that's a lot of hours. We have the Mike Marles Happy Fun Hour, followed by Dragon Plus, and then me with D&D News, and then Dice Camera Action at 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Great stuff. Uh, There's going to be a uh, talk show after that, uh, this in the next couple of weeks, uh, but we might be shifting the time on that. Uh, And then, of course, we'll have uh, some Maze Arcana back in the swing of things. Um, Also, one other fun thing I want to make sure everybody knows about is... um, 
that Dragon Friends has been going every Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, the Tomb of Annihilation storyline they've been going through has been super awesome. They met a Sararak in the most recent session, Uh-oh. and they've entered the Tomb of Annihilation that proper. That could have been us. Um, and uh, just want to give you know the Dungeon Master uh, Dave Harmon. He's a great guy. He has said he's been going. You know, he's gotten some flack for being easy on them because they're you know they're more of a comedy improv type podcast. But he said that they, he's not going to be doing that from from here on out. Whoa. Yeah, he's going to be a little bit more. Uh, uh, hands-on uh, with the rolling of dice for the death and the dealing. Um, there's also uh, Encounter Roleplay. Learn by Play is coming back. It has been back. Uh, they uh, started up a new homebrew world and adventure uh, with Dungeon Master Will Jones and uh, a bunch of awesome players. And uh, their group has named themselves the Wild Cards. And in last week's episode, uh, they introduced uh, fact. They, they well so. The conceit of Learn by Play is that he talks a little bit about uh, the game and then he goes into like a little echo chamber and tells you about what uh, decisions oh, yeah. Will had made as a dungeon master. And so there's a little bit about factions and uh, what your game is going on. That was at last session, uh, 3 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, this Saturday is when there will be a new session. So go check that out for you if you can. Um, and also I want to kind of hint at something pretty fun that's coming down the pipe is... Holly Conrad Strix from uh, yeah. Dice Camera Action is starting up her own show. Uh, it is uh, going to be set in the city of Sigil. That's right. You heard it here, folks. For folks, first, first, folks. I can say things, especially when they're Fs and they're alliterate. Mm-hmm. Uh, really exciting. Uh, we are thinking about starting that at 5 p.m. Pacific time on Thursdays. Two Ooh. hours before she Critical Role. She is Dungeon Mastering. They've got a great cast. You're going to get more information uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, but it's starting up soon. That's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. All right, guys. Uh, let's get to one of our fun segments. Uh, a lore you should know segment perhaps might be dropping right about now. You may hear some bongs. Maybe some bangs. Maybe some bangs. Maybe. Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Lore Master Mr. Matt Cernan. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. We are going to talk today in this little segment where we uh, uh, drop tidbits of Dungeons & Dragons lore for your own edification and perhaps use in your D&D campaigns and games. Uh, today we're going to talk about something that a lot of people started hearing about Dungeons & Dragons uh, from this thing, from the D&D cartoon, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Saturday morning cartoon, in fact, uh, when that was a thing uh, in the 80s. It's pretty much the first thing I remember seeing that had Dungeons & Dragons on it when I was a kid, and uh, it has some some Dungeons & Dragons lore within it, and we wanted to kind of talk about all of that and what it all means. So do you know, when did, when did the D&D cartoon started to get uh, aired? Let's see, uh, 84, 85, no, 83, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so. 83, wow. Yeah. It had, I was five. <laughs> it, it had uh, three seasons, and um, they were pretty short seasons, uh, so I think it only had a total of like 27 episodes plus one unaired episode, so. Right. Do we, have you seen the unaired episode? Well, you can't see the unaired, well, you can't, mm. so rewind. There's long been a rumor that uh, in the last episode of the series, all, it's revealed that all the characters are actually dead and in hell. And wow, <laughs> gets, yeah, pretty, I didn't know that. Pretty dark rumor. Yeah, uh, and uh, that is entirely untrue. Like the reasons why it wasn't aired or whatever studio reasons, but 
Um, the one of the um, main writers of the show, Michael Reeves, uh, a few years ago now, uh, released the script on his website right. in order to sort of quell these weird rumors about that that being the case. And uh, so you can actually kind of see it because I think somebody. Um, I don't remember what country they were in. Spain? Somewhere? Somewhere. Anyways, they uh, took that script and then um, basically made a comic book for it. Neat. And then someone else basically made a radio play out of it, and that's all up on YouTube somewhere. And the the, the, the episode finale or the season finale is called Requiem, and that is when uh, Venger is redeemed and the kid gets the choice of whether or not to uh, go home. So. Ah, okay, cool. Well, we started at the end, but let's yeah. let's let's get to the beginning. So, I mean, one of the most iconic things about uh, the D and D cartoon is that opening sequence where it's a Dungeons and Dragons ride. Yeah, they go through the ride, <laughs> the roller coaster. Yeah. It somehow yeah. transports them into a fantasy yep. world, and they all have powers uh, given to the. And they're mostly teenagers, you know. When they're yeah, they're like going eight, eight to fifteen, somewhere around that range, depending on who, which character you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but like you know, uh, you, kids of the, of the day could identify with these characters, and they all get uh, adventurers uh, classes assigned to them. They're not necessarily all classes that existed in the game at the time. Well, so yeah, the, the there are classes that existed in um, around that time. So, uh, Cavalier is one of them. That's uh, Eric. He's the got the shield. Um, and that's a, that's a class that was sort of a – or a subclass. I forget now which term was used at the time. A prestige. No, not a prestige <laughs> class. A- um, that was used during sort of the first edition period. Yeah. And uh, I think that was in Unearthed Arcana, but I could be wrong. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, there's a ranger, there's a um, monk uh, and a thief and wizard and then barbarian. So that's and there's an acrobat as well. Acrobat, yes, not not monk. Acrobat, yes, yes. Interesting that they chose acrobat over over monk. It was always this uh, odd yeah. thing to me looking back. Yeah, but at the time I was like, oh yeah, she's just badass, and then right. makes total sense. Pole vaulting, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so then uh, they're met by a character called the dungeon master. Yep. And so I, there's actually uh, – I have on my computer here the CBS notes on the series, and it's a page of notes from a meeting in uh, 1984. <laughs> Which and, we're going to perform for you live <laughs> right now. No, and, and basically it, it outlines exactly how the show works. It talks about how essentially you know, the, the show's supposed to be about the kids' quests on the way home. The Dungeon Master wants them to stop some force of evil during an episode – and the kids' altruistic desire to help someone besides themselves is what gets them involved in whatever that particular episode's plot is. Mm-hmm. And Venger is never meant to be the main villain of any plot, and it's never sort of meant to be like, and now we have to save the world from Venger because they wanted Venger and Tiamat to be sort of these recurrent uh, characters that could be used season over season, year over year with all these different stories. And so that's why the pattern of every show is basically like, hey, we have to go and help the cloud bears and, oh, look, Venger's here. And, you know, we have to go help the dwarves. And, oh, look, Venger's here. <laughs> you know, over and over and over again. So who who was the character of Venger? What did, what did he look like? So Venger was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he, was, he was voiced by uh, Peter Cullen, who also did Optimus Prime and many, many other characters. Um, fun tidbit. Um, the person who uh, voiced the dungeon master, no, Tiamat, um, also voiced uh, Megatron in the yes, in uh, the original one too. In Peter the, Walker, the, yes, in I don't know if he was in the original whole original series, but he was in the the movie. I'm not sure now. Okay. Um, 
Anyways, uh, so Venger is this guy, and he's, he's tall. He's got bat wings. He rides around in a nightmare. He's got one giant horn. Why? Uh, he's got fangs. Who knows? R- red eyes. He's bad. He can cast magic. He does lots of zapping um, with, his, with his finger. Uh, and he's served by this thing called the Shadow Demon, which um, looks remarkably like the creatures that were called Shadow Demons at the time um, mm. that were in, I forget which, Fiend Volume or Monster Manual 2 or whatever. Um, and it, that's sort of like his familiar that goes out and does things for him and finds things out, and then he will show up and do bad things, and then the kids defeat him or run away or whatever. And he has an antagonistic relationship with uh, the Dungeon Master in particular, and what he's trying to do basically in the whole series is get the magic weapons that the kids have for reasons. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, the relationship between the Dungeon Master and Venger and why that's the case and why they both can just sort of bop around in this world and so on is really unclear. And that's, that's, again, something that was intentional. Like, they, there's a thing here that says in this uh, meeting notes, uh, you know, the precise order of the universe of the D&D realm, uh, the relative position of Dungeon Master and Venger, who's in charge of the realm, how did it come to being, where is it going, is never revealed. The stories hint that there's much more beneath the surface, but that's it, basically. Oh, okay. So, like, the, it was intentional yeah. that it would obscure uh, everyone's understanding of where this kind of fits. Right. And so Tiamat is this sort of, um, uh, she's sort of meant to be the most uh, powerful and terrible creature in the realm and she is antagonistic towards Venger and pretty much everything else and so uh, sometimes Tiamat will come up and show up and uh, ruin Venger's plans and stuff like that Now was this the first time that Tiamat had been shown in D&D lore? No I mean there's, there's certainly other I mean certainly any sort of cartoon version but <laughs> yeah. no no Tiamat shows up earlier um, and you know like Let's see. I, I, I hesitate to say that there's any particular use of Tiamat that's very strong before this. I mean, there's sort of the idea of uh, Takesis kind of being like Tiamat um, in Dragonlance. But but 1983, yeah, Dragonlance uh, didn't exist. Yeah. And, right? And so the t- it might be the, like the, the first sort of real strong use of Tiamat, yeah, in anything. Because I can't think of any adventure before then uses her. Okay. But I'm not... Not positive. All right, and then and then Tiamat ends up being, uh, uh, you know, as, as you said, you know, introduced and in being like a through line. But was it you? Was was that character or that goddess uh, used in D and D lore after that? Oh, um, well, I mean, obviously, plenty recently with uh, the uh, adventures that we had, where um, the dragons were um, trying to take over and so on with in the Forgotten Realms. Um, right, but I'm trying. Was, was Tiamat always a part of the Forgotten Realms, or was it? It was it well it yes um so uh when, T- when did that get added yeah uh Tiamat is a god of the realms and definitely throughout the whole second edition period and there's sort of some interesting stuff there where um she has kind of like a servant dragon who is in charge of Chacenta for a while and masquerading as a human being and stuff like that so there there's a lot of uh um sort of subtle references to Tiamat throughout the whole second edition period where she kind of has servitor dragons doing stuff she isn't necessarily like charging out into the world and doing a whole bunch of different things cuz she's you know a goddess level right. sort of threat right Okay, uh, so but from what you're saying, it sounds like this might be the first major incarnation of Tiamat in in any kind of D and D lore, and then uh, uh, it was used 
throughout after that. Yeah. And what's interesting, too, is is that Tiamat shows up, I think, in the toy line um, along with some of the other characters who appear in the cartoon, which is uh, Strongheart, Kellick, and uh, I'm going to blank, Warduke. Um, but those characters appear in the toy line, but it, the toy line for the United States didn't include Bobby and Sheila and Venger and so on and so forth, uh, oddly. It didn't include the main characters. It right. included the secondary characters. And I think it had something to do with the way that the, the products were just licensed very differently. I think there were some toys that were made like in Portugal that were the main characters from the cartoon, but <laughs> yeah. you know, in other places like that. But, um, but in sort of just the way that things were licensed out of different parties, it, I think they, they had a, a difficult time sort of managing that process. So you see a lot of, um, you know, a merchandise with uh, Strongheart and Warduke, like uh, party plates and stuff like that. Yeah. But you don't see a lot of stuff like that with the main characters from the cartoon. Which seems like a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Looking uh, back, but now it, you're like... It, there were some, like, uh, um, Choose Your Own Adventure style books. Uh, there were some sticker books, uh, things like that. But, yeah, it, it was sort of this weird thing where the ownership of those characters and who owned which ones was kind of parceled out in different ways to different people. Got it. Okay, so so back to Venger, who is yeah. who is the real topic of, of all this that kind of started us going here. Uh, what 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 is it? Why? So he captivated you. Yeah. Why, why was that? Um, I think it, it's just a really... Iconic character with weird one horn, and then he's just this um, sort of mean villain. And clearly, they clearly have that subtext relationship, uh, Venger and the Dungeon Master, throughout the whole series. And it's kind of like, what's going on here? What's going on here? And that actually is answered um, in the last episode script, where um, it, the Dungeon Master refers to uh, Venger as his son after he is uh, sort of um, uh, whatever. Uh, Reborn as a sort of a good character when he sort of gets affected by this weird magic, mm. and uh, so th- that's really interesting because obviously Dungeon Master is this tiny little guy, yeah. <laughs> and Venture is like a human character even when he's sort of transformed. Uh, Venture also has a twin sister, uh, Karina, I think her name is, and she's uh, also super evil and dresses like him but doesn't have a horn. So presumably. The Dungeon Master at some point had children with somebody. They were corrupted by some sort of super evil. That's the implication of the the series and so on. And mm-hmm. then uh, the Dungeon Master is, I I mean, the, the, the implication of the last episode is that the, the whole thing has been the Dungeon Master trying to get the kids to come somehow redeem uh, Venger throughout this series. And now that they've done it, he's like, okay, you can go home. Or you can stay here and help me clean up these other messes I have. Mm. And uh, you know, by the end of the episode, I don't think they have actually decided. It's kind of just where it ends, right? Yeah. Right. Cliffhanger so, style. So the writers of the TV show knew there were there was impending doom for the end of their show, and we're like, yeah. let's just let's get this cleared up, and then <laughs> maybe we'll go back, yeah, but well, probably not. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, and then they didn't the new cast the last episode like made. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, how, how, what other ways has uh, the lore from that cartoon uh, made its way into kind of our current, uh, you know, idea of lore? Is, is it in a Greyhawk type setting so, at so the time? Like what? What? Yeah, yeah. the The world that's sort of described in in the um, the, the show doesn't really match any particular um, world of the of D anD. Um, there's uh, references to to various things that are common in D anD D 
throughout, but like, you know, Forgotten Realms references Greyhawk stuff all the time and vice versa. Uh, so um, the the characters, because of that weird not really understanding where the ownership of those characters lie, like the, after the cartoon ends, they, they lay fallow for a long time and then they get picked up in little pieces here and there. So for example, in the um, Baldur's Gate 2 uh, game, there's someplace in Athcatla or something like that where there's portraits on the wall and I think it's Bobby and one of the other characters are mm. portraits on the wall. Uh, there was a comic book produced by TSR that was like the TSR Worlds comic book and it was sort of like this um, thing where uh, the the mage character, wizard's character's name is escaping me at the moment. Um, Presto. Uh, someone who looks very much like Presto and is a sort of bumbling wizard is uh, taken along a tour of various worlds of the the um, for, for, or D and D by of the multiverse, yeah, by Elminster and so on, and so he oh, kind of gets to meet various characters from various worlds, and you know, and he come, sort of comes along, and, and there's a, the hint of them at the end. Um, there's uh, there's a scene in I think it's. Gem, like the cartoon Gem. Really? Yeah. Where they show up in a crowd scene with slightly different colors because oh. the same company was illustrating both things and they, they just put them in. Was, but it's, it's clear that the characters just in slightly different colors. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. They got, they got palette swapped. Yeah. And uh, then the when the um, first DVD set came out for um, the cartoon, there was like a special edition version that was done. Uh, in like a little um, sort of red box, like in the red box for um, you know the D and D game, mm-hmm. and in that there was a little booklet that had an adventure and the statistics for the characters and the NPCs and you know Venger and so on and so forth. Uh, and I got to write that. So oh, nice. <laughs> Venger's probably a little too powerful. <laughs> you gave him all the all the stats. <laughs> yeah, not canon. Um, <laughs> But uh, that that sort of reveals there that idea of um, Avenger being uh, the son of the Dungeon Master and stuff like that as well. Uh, that that edition of the DVD set as well included a uh, fan-made movie called Choices where it's the, the characters as uh, slightly more adult characters. Um, they're like maybe in their 20s or something like that. And they're still stuck in this. They never left. <laughs> they never left, and it's all about how, like, you know, they, you know, they just want to get home. And there's this really sort of emotional moment where Hank is considering killing this orc that he knocks down because he's, he's like, maybe we just have to get back by killing everything. <laughs> you know? Oh man, yeah, it's pretty dark, but it's really good. It's it's still on YouTube someplace. Um, and the the guy who made that also made sort of like a trailer for a D and D fan film with a lot of the same actors that I don't think ever got made. Um, but that's on YouTube. So if you look for like D and D and then choices, I think you'll probably pick it up on YouTube. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea of you know ten years later, twenty years later, going back and seeing yeah, you know where these characters are, how they ended up, how being trapped, you know, Bobby being trapped at at eight years old, uh, <laughs> you know, suddenly being a twenty eight year old uh, dude and be like, this is all I am. <laughs> <laughs> we we we've often kicked around in the office the idea of of a like cartoon reboot if we could get someone to do it and that would be uh, well it's been Chris Perkins' idea basically which is that um, you know they all go back to the world but Venger comes with them 
And so Venger and Hank are stuck in an apartment, like living together. Just <laughs> <laughs> it goes the opposite, yeah, where they're like <laughs> just he's crabby all the time, and Venger doesn't do the dishes. And, yeah. yeah, and then War Duke like delivers their pizza. <laughs> he's like, "Hey guys, what's up? Yeah, I still got the same helmet on." Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that'd be awesome. I would I would watch that. I would like that too. Uh, very interesting. So, uh, so yeah. So basically, the lore of the of of the cartoon is in its own little space. Yeah, it's kind of its own its own pocket dimension. Um, I'm, obviously, it's it's a small space, so you could throw it pretty much anywhere you wanted to if you want. Um, and the you know Front Realms has, has plenty of room, so. <laughs> If right. you feel like it, you can put it. In. Wasn't so, it called the realm where they were? Wasn't yeah. It called, like so, was it? Was there? I, for some reason, my brain always connected that with the Forgotten Realms, but the, I don't think there's other than the the Elminster um, comic book and the pictures in Athcatla, and so maybe you know what? Never mind. It, it just did. It's a Forgotten Realm somewhere. <laughs> it's, it's 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 a part of the realms. Yep, yep. Canon. It is a realm. I want cloud bearers for my D and D game. So yes. <laughs> what were cloud bearers? So there was an episode that um, where they have to go and like uh, help out the cloud bearers. I forget why. I, there might have been fairy dragons involved, um, but the they're clearly just sort of like Care Bear slash Ewok slash Gummy Bear, like, which were all <laughs> very popular <laughs> yeah, in 1984. Yeah, so all those sort of combined in one place. And and put it into an episode. So I, unless I'm imagining, unless I'm remembering a He-Man episode, which oh, no, 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 oh, oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I do not remember that being in the uh, D and D cartoon. So maybe, maybe, you never know. Uh, I, I, oh, now I, I gotta I check. Mean, now we have often talked how uh, oh, I'm right. They are there. Okay. The gummy bears uh, are a pretty awesome fantasy uh, property that is uh, ripe for exploration. Yes. Too. Yes. I would rate that in a heartbeat. I like that. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to go drink some gummy berry juice and uh, uh, hop off of this uh, topic. All right. Bouncing here and there and right. everywhere. Uh, where can people get in touch with you to, uh, to uh, proclaim their love of Venger with you? Uh, I am on Twitter at, at Cernet, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. Awesome. And uh, we're, we're welcome to any and all fan art Avenger that you have. There's uh, a lot of fan art for, for the d and cartoon already out there. And it's, a lot of it's awesome. There's some really good stuff out there. Sweet. So uh, uh, go check it out if you haven't checked it out. And then uh, let's share some more. Throw yeah. it up on our, our Twitter feed. We'll, we'll retweet it. It's more good cosplay. Stuff. More cosplay as Venger, please. I just want that. Yeah. You know, the weird, the weird outfit he's got is, is amazing. Yep. Thank you guys uh, so much. We'll be back next week with some lore you should know when you get a chance to listen to it. Uh, do you feel like you know everything about that segment that we, uh, yeah. we just aired? Yeah. I'm glad I do now because it was definitely some lore I should know. <laughs> and now you do and know. And now I do. Thumbs up to you. The more you know. Good one. <laughs> Did they spice this up? Yeah. Wow. Hello. Hello. Hey. Success. Yay. Hello. 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 How is it going? Where are you calling in from, Molly? Hi, I'm Molly calling in from Los Angeles. Nice. The sun is setting outside my window right now, the so I what? hope the light isn't doing anything weird. So it's the golden hour. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's very flattering, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thanks for talking to us. Uh, yeah, we are uh, excited. Uh, like as I said in the intro, I just devoured the Witch Boy. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go through. It. 
Yeah, it was in the I gym, witnessed. and I was like, I'm just gonna want read this really fast, and it and it, it was awesome, so good. You read it. You read it in the gym. Yeah. Yes. What were you like on the treadmill? I was on the treadmill going really fast with like a three thing incline because I'm like, all right, I want to get my, my sweat up, but I want to be able to not like sweat onto the book as I'm doing it. <laughs> and you can read a graphic. <laughs> I'm really impressed. I, I can't know. read graphic novels like uh, while running. That's very impressive. I, it was more of like a fast walk. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> still. Yeah. That's impressive, still impressive. But still. Usually I just listen to podcasts and stuff, so this was my first time. Uh, so maybe I'm gonna be doing it all the time now. Who knows? Cool. I know. <laughs> so you're you're actually helping Greg get healthy. I'm really glad. In the, in the brain. Anything, anything yep. I can Keeps do. I'm on the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about the 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 books uh, uh, or, or or Witch Boy, so that uh, our listeners knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so the Witch Boy is a graphic novel that I. It just came out on Halloween of last year. It's a middle grade book, which means that it's intended for ages about eight and up, um, although I think it could go a little younger. Um, but I hope it also has stuff for adults. And it's about a young boy named Aster, who is a, uh, he's a witch, and he's born into a family where everyone has magic. All of the girls are witches, and all of the boys are shapeshifters. And Aster, of course, is different because he wants to be a witch, and he can do witch magic. And his family doesn't want to accept him, of course. And so it's about like a lot of gender struggles and like gender identity. Um, but it's also kind of a fun adventure and mystery story. Uh, boys start going missing from his family and he and his friend Charlie, who lives in a nearby suburb and doesn't have magic, uh, have to track them down. So that's sort of the, the elevator pitch for the book. That is awesome. Yeah, it's good such stuff. a cool story. Um, and I love how it, it <laughs> wove in, uh, you know, fantasy and D&D &D adjacent type stuff <laughs> with uh, uh, a story that was, you know, like you said, like a very straightforward, like, oh, people are missing with all of, uh, you know, the, 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 the gender identity stuff that a lot of people are, are, are thinking about and talking about now and, and especially with, with, with younger people. So it was awesome. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I love magic as a, a way to explore things like that, as a way to kind of explore um, metaphors about identity. Um, so that was like a really it was a really fun way to approach that kind of metaphor that I wanted to to work with. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. And I think. Like, there's a lot. It's nice to see that there's protagonists out there now that are dealing with things that kids these days are really dealing with. And, it, and it's got to feel good for them. Not even these able. days. People are dealing with them all the time. I but guess now, yeah. true. Yeah. But now, like, it's, you know, more right. talked about or more. Right. But it's still cool to be able to see that, a yeah. character like yourself, in a book. Like, yeah. How awesome is that? Yeah, I've been getting some really nice feedback from kids, which is, like, the best thing in the oh, world. Oh, that's got to feel good. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Especially at that age, too. Right. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really important. I tried to kind of, I don't know, I, I, I believe in, like, a sort of kind way of storytelling and kind of um, trying to, like, use stories to promote empathy. So that's sort of mm. um, what I hope people get from it. And Dungeons and Dragons is a is is I think one of those things in which empathy is pretty much baked into the mechanics of the of the game. Um, have you have you are you played Dungeons and Dragons? I do. Yeah. How long? When did you start playing? I started playing in high school um, with some like older friends who were very cool, and I was like totally intimidated, and I had a, a terrible time. Um, I think we were playing. I think it was three point five. And it was just like, it was so hard to understand the rules. They were already into this campaign and I was like, I had so much trouble finding a character to fit. And so I was like, I guess I don't like D&D. &D. I guess it's not for me. Mm. Um, and it took until I was out of college and 
uh, with friends in Brooklyn and we sort of started up a game again and that was with all other cartoonists and we just got so into it in this, it got so intense in this way that I really didn't expect. Um, and then when I moved out to Los Angeles a couple years ago, I didn't have a lot of friends here. So I used D&D as a way, like I used running games because everyone always wants a DM. Right. Um, I use that as a way to kind of make friends and make a friend group. So it, it's been really, really special in my life for the past couple of years. So how did you reach out to people as a, like, how did you get your, your game group together? I, it was sort of just people that I, I sort of knew, but mm-hmm. we, I, we didn't have like a lot of mutual friends or we didn't know each other quite well enough to hang out one-on-one. And it's kind of a perfect way to like take those friendships and make them into real, yeah. really close friends um, and to sort of make a friend group. So it was, it was really good for me to kind of get to know people here. That so is cool. Do you prefer DMing or being a player? I think at this point, I actually do prefer DMing, and I was I was so intimidated by it for a while. Um, it seemed like you would have to know all the math and all yeah. the rules, and I don't. I have a head for stories, but not for numbers as much. Um, and I it just I like I I was nervous about the performance aspect too, and about doing voices, and I just kind of couldn't think didn't think I could do it. But then I was sort of just like I had to like I needed I needed something like that in my life, and I, I sort of needed to do it myself. And now I love it more than playing, I think, because I really like having all the secrets and I like kind of sitting on things and tricking my friends. Um, it's <laughs> a very, very fun, fun way to interact yeah. with people. <laughs> I like Dungeon Mastering too, because you're almost always thinking of what you're going to say or do next, even if you're just listening to what your players are doing. It's mm-hmm. like your, your, your creative juices are always flowing. Yeah, I, I feel like it took me a while to, I think the whole first year that I did it, kind of the first campaign I did it was sort of a little bit awkward and I was terrified all the time. Like I would have panic attacks about it, like that I wouldn't oh. be able to come up with things in the moment. But um, I, it's, I just got into the groove eventually and it kind of is this like creative flow that it's really rare to get in any way and to be able to do it with my friends and to be able to do it like every other week or so is like it's I don't know I think it's made me a much better artist as well and a much better writer oh that's cool how do you think it's it's uh, uh, influenced your work well I think I, I love like dungeon mastering it's just so fun because you have to come up with so much and like not every idea is your best idea ever not every <laughs> NPC is like the best NPC the best most interesting character sometimes a quest is like a flop but sometimes they're amazing and sometimes they're hilarious and sometimes there's things that you find that you didn't expect to, to find there. And so it was just kind of the confidence that I could like, I had to come up with a lot of ideas all at once and kind of put all of them out there right away and just trust myself to, mm-hmm. to be able to make scenes work and make quests resolve and make characters sort of make sense and be interesting to talk to. Um, I think it gave me a lot of self-confidence as a writer. So like, I think like when people ask me if there's anything they can do to become more confident or to become like a better creator, I feel like, like running a game is so so fun and so helpful that is a great tip yeah all of you aspiring writers out there <laughs> play more yeah. D. <laughs> yeah i mean i think a lot of people are perfectionists especially when if you're writing and if yeah. you sort of have an idea you care about i know that when i was working on the witch boy it took i had the idea and then it took me years literally years to start sending it to publishers because i was just so nervous about this the script like i was like what if it's not good enough what if it's I've made mistakes, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm ready yet. And it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of great to just, just be like, nope, I'm going for it. Like, I'm going to throw a bunch of ideas out there and see what sticks. So. Yeah. And that, that can be like 
hard in the process of writing too. I mean, that was something that, I mean, I always struggled with as a writer was the self-editing and the self-critiquing before the thing that you're making is even out on the paper yet. And then you'd get discouraged and then you don't even make the thing. And then you're like, well, that that's, that's a bad cycle to yeah. be in. And dungeon mastering, you're right, kind of, I wouldn't say it cures you of that, but it definitely starts to alleviate or gives you some confidence to yeah. be like, you know what, I'm I'm creative enough to push through this and, and get through this. You're doing it so often, it kind of takes the the burn out of it. Right. You're just doing it. You, it's a habit. Yeah. It's a muscle that and you're constantly and, flexing. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's no way that you could plan a session to go perfectly. It's always right. going to go off the rails. And I think when you're writing stories, it's the same way. You're always going to have an idea halfway through that means you have to rewrite everything that you've already written, and you have to just kind of roll with that and be comfortable with it um, and that can end up making really really good work that's true so do you ever use your D&D games to try out new material or a new <laughs> character or? I do good. <laughs> yeah it's nice I mean I think I'm always working on a few different stories so there's like a lot of times it'll just be names if I need a quick name it's like oh this character from a comic I can throw them in and use them um, but it, it, it has been it's yeah. There's something I'm working on now that I can't talk about yet. But a lot of it, I sort of was exploring in a D and D game at first, and oh, I'm really cool. excited to kind of put it out there into the world. Because um, I just it has, it has legs already. Like in my head, it's already happened. So I can kind of, um, it just it, there's a lot of material. Because it happened in the D and D game, so like it already happened. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. that's so interesting. That is really yeah. cool. You're like I'm just retelling the story of something that already happened. It's not even. You know, yeah, like you're creating yeah. it on the fly. And like exploring it and being like, how would I do it differently? What what do I want to ex- expand upon? But like, you know, it, like when you're DMing a game, you prepare so much information that never makes it in. And mm-hmm. so many side quests and characters and lore that nobody ever discovers. So it's kind of fun to, there's just like, I don't know, it's been a fun couple of years because I feel like I've just been generating all these ideas. And I'm, uh, I'm finally kind of sitting down and putting a bunch of them into one thing, which I'm excited about. That is cool. Oh, that's really cool. So you're an artist too, right? You also you drew all the art in in Witch Boy. I did, and I've drawn. Um, I also have a web comic called Strong Female Protagonist, which is written by my friend Brennan Lee Mulligan, and which I draw. So that that comes out regularly. Do you ever use that in your game when you're like, oh, here's this NPC that I just drew up, and it has this is what they look like in the back, in the front, and from the I sides. Do. Actually, constantly, I do. I think I do really good maps, um, which is fun to kind of give them sort of fun, beautiful settings and uh in the our latest very latest session i did a murder mystery it was like a closed room murder mystery where they had gotten invited to um have dinner with this dwarven duke and then halfway through the dinner he got poisoned it oh. turned out not to be a murder mystery because we had a cleric and the cleric healed him um <laughs> but it was <laughs> so way to spoil it, it D <laughs> mechanics i love it um <laughs> But it was like it, it was still a mystery of like who poisoned this guy, and I I'd sort of been avoiding having a bunch of NPCs in a scene because I I don't do voices very well and I wasn't sure how to like keep track of everybody. Um, but I just made cards with like their name and a drawing of them, and it was so helpful to keep track of these characters. And it even sort of helped me do voices for them because I could just look at them and be like, I think this is what they would sound like, and everyone at the table could do that too. So. Yeah, I really like using drawing. It's a really fun kind of bonus for my, for my players. You know what we need? What? A voice generator for you, an app where you can talk into it and say, I'm an NPC <laughs> and I'm going to poison a dwarf. And then it translates it into a voice. 
some of that I think exists in some of the the, the chats where you can in like a fantasy grounds you can be oh, like yeah. an elf voice or an orc voice or something like <laughs> you that. You tell it what to say. It and modulates it your because if you use the voice chat, it you need like a changes. Voice modulator. Yeah, that'd be really it takes cool. Takes all the pressure off. I should I should get one of those voice changes. Not everyone has like, the vocal talents villain. like Shelly. Right. I mean, I mm-hmm. am a, a very well known vocal talent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can hear you talking, right. like, right now. I know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's one of my talents. <laughs> this is one of your voices that you do. This is not my real voice. <laughs> yeah, you have, like, a face project, but... <laughs> yeah, I can do it. Very impressive. Yeah. Do you use uh, any, uh, like, m- music in your games? Uh, like, I know there's a couple apps that do that, but I don't know. That's something yeah. I've always wanted to explore with. I, I'll use um, tabletopaudio.com. I think that's what they're called. And it's a really great site where it has like soundscapes to kind of help you set the scene. And there's so many different kinds. So there's like Elven Forest with like a little bit of music and then like Spooky Forest with like a different kind of music. Like there's so many different kinds. Um, I also use them when I'm writing sometimes because I can't really listen to music with words, but I'll put on like, (laughs) it's very nerdy, but I'll put on like, like Mountaintop Inn and you hear like people coming and going and like a fire crackling and winds blowing and then it's sort of a cozy situation to oh, sit sounds, down and write. That's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, no, that is a really good idea. It really sets the scene. Like, you know, yeah. Some people put on like Lord of the Rings movies or something like that, yeah. but like, no, that's just, just get the soundtrack of what's happening in the Green Dragon Inn. Good idea. Lord of the Rings will be too distracting, I think. Yeah, that's, sure, yeah, man. and then I just don't make the thing. I just this actually just watch the movie. This is why you're not writing. That's why I'm not writing, exactly. <laughs> Stop putting your favorite movies on in the background. Because <laughs> they've got this great idea. It's for research. <laughs> oh my God. Doesn't work. So moving from Brooklyn to LA, that's a big move. Did you go yeah. for work or? New, I just did. a new setting? Work, because there's a lot of animation out here, but also I was very in love with a girl, so I did that. Now she's my girlfriend, so it's okay. okay. That's good. It's a good story to tell. <laughs> this is not unrequited. Good. I know that would be like really sad otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> she plays in yeah. your in your D and D campaign, doesn't she? She does. Yeah. So yeah. Is, yeah. Are they other it's creatives really in the game? Yeah. There's. Um, we've always played with like a bunch of I think our, our group right now is like a lot of writers and um, the group before was like a lot of writers and cartoonists so it's like it's a really fun group because um, Noelle my girlfriend will sometimes like do sketches as we're as we're drawing which is really nice and everybody is some kind of writer so everybody has this like really fun story sense um, which I love because it's like I think there's like a whole aspect of D&D culture that I've never tapped into really where it's like you're trying to really beat your players and they're really trying to win and trick you the dm and i think with my group because everyone's writers we're all sort of trying to build a story together Mm. um so there's a little bit less of me trying to necessarily like outwit them and just us trying to kind of tell the best story possible oh i like that it almost becomes like a writer's room yeah yeah and i still i still like when i can surprise them and when i can really give them a challenge but um yeah, I'm never, I'm never afraid of like, I don't know, like I'm never afraid of them like figuring out information that their characters wouldn't know and then using it against me as a DM. Um, it's, right. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> I think there's there's a place in time for for meta gaming if it's moving the story forward. You're like, all right, well then you can, I can get behind what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I guess so. I haven't. I think I've been lucky not to play with characters who did that to me that much. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so you you mentioned uh, uh, in your book that you went to a camp in upstate New York. Is that <laughs> right? 
Yeah, I went to, yeah, my first like encounters with role playing was at this amazing live action role playing summer camp for teenagers in the Hudson Valley in upstate New York. It's called the Wayfinder Experience if anyone lives around there and has a teen who might like to go. Um, But it was so, it was really cool and it was a really helpful, like, I think it was probably a time when like a lot of kids in my generation who were also shy and nerdy like me just got like really into the internet and Mm. video games, um, which is not a bad thing, but I sort of went another route and just got really into like putting on elf ears and running around in the forest. Um, And that was pretty, it was pretty cool. It was a pretty good experience. So you oh. were you running around in the forest putting on elf ears before you went to this camp, and then somebody was like, "Hey, there's a place for you." Stop doing this in the town you, green. You don't have to do this alone in the backyard. You can. And why didn't I have friends? <laughs> why would no one be friends with me at my at my public high school? Right. Where did but. you grow up? In upstate New York. Okay, so, so how far upstate? Because Shelly and I were both like, does she mean yeah. like what New Yorkers say upstate, which means anything not in New York, or is it uh, uh, super far upstate? Um, like Hudson Valley, so like Rhinebeck, Woodstock area. Okay. So, so it's like two miles or two hours north of the city, and it's it's so beautiful. It's like the most lush, gorgeous forests you've, you've ever been in. Yeah. I, but hence the putting on elf ears and running around. Uh-huh. Right. You kind of have to. It, you just... it made sense at the time. Yes. The Lord of the Rings movies are coming out. I was moved by them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So why not go jump into the woods and uh, whack some orcs? I just remembered recently that I, um, I think when I was 14, I figured out that eBay existed. And I somehow, I got my mom's credit card and I ordered a copy of Sting, Sword from Lord <sighs> of the Rings movies, the Frodo and Bill yeah. have. And I, I ran around and cut down a lot of trees with it. Oh, my God. Wow. That's so great. So what did you do at this camp? Was it really like just LARP all day, campfire at night? Or what, what happened there? Because it sounds it was amazing. A lot of, like, yeah, it was so cool. It was like a lot of summer camp. And like you sort of get at the beginning of the camp, like at the beginning of the week, you learn what the story of the, of the camp is going to be. And you learn what your character is. And then you spend a few days building up your character, but then also doing camp things and hanging out with friends and just like getting to know people in the real world. And then there's like a very concentrated period of time that's usually like one evening and then one morning where you play in character. And it's like semi-scripted. So there's some, the staff would kind of usually play like the big characters who would, who would push the plot forward and like, you know, the king who tells you what to do. But then everyone got to play their own kind of hero and it was it was really cool That's it was cool. a really good Gosh, experience man. i feel like we need to start up a, <laughs> this would have been a really good summer job for you i know that's yeah. why i was like so were the camp counselors <laughs> were they uh like, they like a little bit older teenagers or were they actual adults <laughs> yeah they were most it was mostly run by people in their teens and very early 20s it was kind of badly run but it was so magical that it it worked there's something um, about that it's a little more professional yeah. now which is good <laughs> uh, have you seen the movie wet hot america in summer yeah, there. I was just listening to an interview with David Wayne, the, the creator of that, where he was like, "That doesn't really exist anymore." That like idea that you send your kids up to it doesn't to a summer camp. I am like banking on this existing. Well, no, I mean summer camps exist, but they're way more controlled and like you know what you're doing from like X oh. time to X time. Where in but like in wet, hot American there? summer, it's just like, oh, you're just there, and there's like basically fourteen year olds like who are like balls. in charge of you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And it sounds like this was obviously there was a lot more structured. What was going on with the wayfinder, wayfinder thing, but. Uh, also had an element of, hey, I don't know, we're just making it up. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty great. It's um, it's a miracle that nobody died. Like, I mean, <laughs> we literally were like 13-year-olds running around in the forest in the dead of night 
just sometimes with adults, sometimes not with adults, sometimes flashlights, sometimes no flashlights, but like we were in it. (laughs) Um, there was very much a focus on like kind of really getting immersed in the story, which again, like sometimes people got concussions or broke limbs, but like everybody was, nobody died. (laughs) I think everybody was okay. And it, I really do have these like really magical memories from it. Now I um, want to go. I know. I, I know. I really do. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna, send, I'm gonna send my girls there. There actually yeah. is a place like that that's a, adults go to that's meant for adults because Rob Davio was mm-hmm. telling me about it. He goes every year. Oh yeah. And it's somewhere over on the East Coast, and it's like this big three day story immersion, like full immer- like just a big There's old a few mark. things. Yeah, there's a few things like that. There's like a, a magic school, like a magic academy LARP for adults. Oh, I can't remember the name off the top awesome. of my head, but that's every summer. Um, my friends run a sci-fi adult LARP up in San Francisco. Um, so there's, yeah, they're definitely out there. I think Where'd like when you're a teen, you really want to get lost in, in a world and kind of you really want to be someone else. So for me, I like, I don't know if I could quite do that anymore. Um, once I sort of started to, once I became like a staff member at this camp and I realized that like there were people in charge of the story and someone had to kind of keep track of everything and sort of make the magic happen. I kind of lost that like immersive feeling. um, Oh, right. Cause you were kind of like, you saw the puppet strings. Yeah. 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 And now I kind of like to be like in control of the story. Um, I think that like going back to storytelling and making empathetic stories, um, LARP camp was so cool for that because you would play, it's like sometimes you get to play a character who's like a protagonist. You get to play, you know, the chosen one or the hero. But a lot of times you're playing goblin number five or like a villager or like one of a bunch of knights or a squire or like something where it's it's like you have a role in this fantasy world, but you're not necessarily the person that a book would follow as right. the protagonist. But you still are, you develop like a backstory and mannerisms and you kind of get to experience this story from that perspective. And I, I think I've, I've really carried it forward in my work where I kind of, there's not any character who I write off as just being like, they're just a minion, they don't matter. Like everybody kind of, even if they don't get a lot of screen time or a lot of page time, they're still like, I, I they're a real person to me. They're um, a part of the tapestry that makes yeah. it all kind of work. And if you don't see the fact that, oh, this person, I mean, I find that in, in, in D&D games sometimes too, where it's like, you know, I, I'm much more of a simulationist kind of player where I'm like, I want there to be a living world happening or the illusion of a living world happening in the background. And if you don't yeah. have that, then it can kind of be just like, oh, we're just rolling dice. Yeah, totally. It's really it's really cool to feel like there's this complex world going on and like there's people who are just doing things that are totally unrelated to the heroes and maybe you'll cross their paths. But yeah, yeah. Westworld plays with a lot of these ideas, too. Have you seen that show? I need to watch it. It's really good, but it really okay. it basically plays with this whole idea of like who's who's in control of mm-hmm. your story. I was I watched the pilot and I was like, oh, this is just like LARP camp. Right, but then yeah, spoiler alert: they all die at the end. Um, not really. The ship doesn't really go down. It's you know all that stuff. Um, Bart really liked that show. It's really good. Mm. Yeah. Bart also told me about another show that's really good too, Patriot. Um, oh, yeah. He's yeah. been getting, every, I feel like he's got like a vested interest in this show because he's talking mm-hmm. that one up. It's a nuts one. It's very nuts. Yeah. So the, the Witch Boy has gotten a tremendous response. I was reading about all of the reviews and the accol- accol- accolades. 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 
So professional voice actor. <laughs> Before I even said it. Good you job. know what? That was Sorry. I was doing no, that it's on purpose. Awesome. I was oh. that was my character who can't pronounce words. <laughs> <laughs> she just outlarped us. Uh, it's like D and D. You can just keep making up, making up, making up. <laughs> so the accolades. The accolades. Yes, that's that's very awesome. It's been I good. Know what that means. Yeah. School yeah, Library it's, Journal. It's been, I'm sorry, what were you saying? I know what they mean because, you know, we used oh. to publish uh, children's books here at Wizards. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. I used to work on that team. And so I know, like, the starred reviews and I know all of those, where all those great reviews were coming from. That's really big. Thank you. It's been really exciting. It's been, yeah, it's been the first thing I've written and it's given me. This is the first thing you've response. written? Yeah, yeah. I've I've drawn other people's comics oh, um, or cool. comics that people have written, but I have not. Yeah, this is the first long thing that I've written. So it's given me a lot of confidence going forward, which has been really nice because <laughs> it's scary. Like writing is a lot more vulnerable than drawing, I think. Um, so it's been really nice to get uh, positive feedback. Yeah. I feel like it's got like movie or TV written all over it too. Oh, it's, it's just yeah, my opinion. But we sold the movie, right? Oh, you so did. That's awesome. Box. So we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it would be cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that Wizards used to do children's books. We did. Yeah, we had cool. a, a children's book imprint called Mirrorstone. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's the one that um, <coughs> Matt, Matt Forbeck wrote stuff for. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he did. I mean, he's written like 500 things. <laughs> I know. He's very, 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 very prolific, prolific, that man. Whoa. Jinx. <laughs> oh, you a coke. Uh, there was something else I was going to ask. Oh, so, yeah, my uh, I, I have two daughters, six years old and four year old. Um, and, uh, you know, Shelly and I are always talking about, like, springing D&D on them uh, and when uh, w- do you have any advice for that or when, when would be the the best time to because to, my, my fear is I don't want to be I don't want to be like this is the thing that daddy works on and you have to enjoy it and then have them be like you know so I want to have like capture some of the magic that you're talking about that you got at that at that mm-hmm. camp but like yeah. that it's discovered on their own in a way yeah that's that is interesting it's I, I feel like that's such a, I feel like there's such a like generation of kids getting raised by professional nerds right now. <laughs> yeah, right. And I yeah. think that is like a big question for a lot of parents is like, do I, how do I give them this thing that I love so much? Um, but I feel like kids already, I don't know. I kind of feel like kids already do like role playing in that way and like do that kind of storytelling. And mm-hmm. it's like, I, I sort of think that things like D and D are maybe invented or like more necessary for adults to give us this framework to tell stories to each other in, in a way that where we kind of can like agree that the rules are set and we can, you know, relate to other people who also play it. Um, but I think that kids kind of engage in those games a lot anyway. So I don't know. I don't know when, I don't know when there's a lot of numbers in it, which would be intimidating, I think to a small child. I kind of simplify. We did play like one session once where I just was kind of like, you are a ranger and you know, roll the die. And if you got high, I was like, yeah, you hit, you know, I was not about like, Mm you know, the individual numbers or, or all that stuff. And that's, that worked pretty well. Um, and they do, you're right, they do, like, play with their, with their toys and act out. But the, the problem that I'm seeing when I see them do it is when one will always want to try to tell the other what they should say, mm-hmm. and then the other person has to, has to say it. Yeah. And then they fight when the other person doesn't want to do what the other person tells them to do. Yeah. I wonder if you could teach them. So like at my camp, we would teach the very basic rules of improv. Um, right, like, like the say, yes and. 
Yeah, yes, and I think we would say violence kills the improv, where it's basically like, you know, if you if you just swing your sword and kill someone, then the scene is dead, mm. and there's nothing more you can do. Um, and, yeah, I think that those were the main roles, but it was, like, really good to just kind of... Uh, oh, it was like, don't don't be random. Like, randomness is not as funny as specificity. Mm. Um, but just kind of some, some rules to, like, be a good partner and to be a good... Uh, be, be someone who's fun to role play or even I think kids it's just playing to just play yeah. with. Um, yeah. I'm sure that there's, wait, do you guys, are you guys in Los Angeles? We are in Seattle. Okay. I feel like there's probably like kids improv classes around you. That seems like a hipster thing that would exist. That is a good point. <laughs> there probably is. Uh, and I didn't, even, I mean, I know that there's such a, a strong improv thing, but I didn't even realize that, you, you know, what, what I was frustrated with watching them play is exactly that. They weren't following those, those simple simple mm-hmm. rules. But do they know they're playing together? Like if they have a common enemy, would then they work together more easily? Or yeah, maybe. And I think that's why maybe. the that's why I'm like tempted to put more of a framework on it. Yeah. So that it is, you know, we're going to sit down and we're going to do this together. Because when they end up fighting, all it ends up being is like, well, then I'm not going to play with you anymore. Or and then <laughs> one sister will always say, well, then I'm not going to be your sister anymore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh man, you can't say that. I know that's a simple rule of yeah. improv. You don't want to, and that's, mm-hmm. but that's violence, right? It's like going right to the, you know, yeah. that's, that's going to kill any kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I wonder if you could give them like, you're in control of these toys and you're in control of these toys, but like you have equal control over equal amounts. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I think kids, kids have such a amazing imaginations for this kind of stuff. And like, they're so, I don't know. I bet that you're, I mean, I bet that they would even just love to look at D and D books. Cause I think, Oh, they do. And that's, yeah. yeah. And that's the best part about it is just being like, Oh, they, they, I feel like that's their window into it. Although I did show them curse of Strahd when it came out. And I think poor Fiona was, she was, she was, uh, God, she had no, she was like two, two and a half at the time. And she was a little bit like, um, why, what is that? And I'm like, Oh, you don't know. Oh God. All these pictures are bad. Never mind. Yeah. They were, they were, they were, you gotta start with the practical guides or something. Yeah. Right. Don't, don't go straight into horror. Why yeah. not? Here's it guys. Let's watch that. <laughs> <laughs> you should have a healthy fear of clowns. <laughs> yep. <laughs> does yeah. already. But I do think, I think kids love like systems of magic or at least I did. I really liked I loved mythology because I liked the idea that there was like, here's a system of gods or a system of monsters or fairies or something. And so I think that's probably really fun to even just give them like the tools to mm-hmm. kind of like give them the world to play in, even if like an actual session might be a bit much. Yeah. 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 They were fascinated when I broke out the Greek mythology book. And I think that they, it was because of that system, they wanted that idea of like, oh, these are, who's this person and who's this person, who's this person. Yeah. And, you know, the stories in there are pretty violent. Yeah. <laughs> No, they're just so like, like we would reread some of those to Quinn too, and yeah. like we'll be like, oh, like that oh just happened. Like, yeah, and the, but the way they say it's just like so matter of fact, and then they <laughs> cut off their heads and they were dead. Yeah, okay. I know. Oh, yeah. oh. I know. The one that they latched onto, and uh, my my youngest Fiona will still use it as a name is Kronos. She will be, and because the image of Kronos <laughs> swallowing a baby oh, is was terrifying. How does she talk How does about that? Make it you feel? <laughs> I know, right? Talk about this. Uh, I'm not going to swallow you. Don't worry. I'm not the bad guy. Even though in all these stories, the when the she, daddy is the bad she guy. Kronos. <laughs> no, but she uses it in play when she's playing with their toys. She'll be like, "Oh, this one's named Kronos." Yeah. 
Is Kronos a bad guy? Not always. Oh, Not always. It's just kind of one of the. They have like a That's lexicon so of names that they always yeah, go to. They do. Uh, that uh, you know, with sometimes a new thing will just pop up and like it'll be like the play name that they use for for weeks and then. I feel like you just have to find something that they both commonly hate or like like and then make that the bad thing and then yeah. say like you've been recruited as the the sisters of the whatever whatever uh-huh. to work together and defeat this thing. Yeah. Maybe it's mommy. Maybe mommy. <laughs> Mommy's the bad thing. She's the evil queen. <laughs> Come on, that's a trope, maybe, right? Or maybe they have to save mommy. Maybe they have to save mommy. I was thinking she would be like a. Uh, did you ever watch the Tinkerbell movies? No. Queen Clarion has okay. like this as is as, uh, as, as a as a as a big thing for them. Yeah, the Tinkerbell movies are great. Actually, I love them. Okay. <laughs> Put that in your lexicon. <laughs> I will. Tinkerbell. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, I feel like we've exhausted all of possibilities, have we? I feel like there's more for we kids. need for kids. Yeah, send them to the LARP so. camp. Send them to LARP camp. Mm-hmm. They're going. Yeah, they and I think it. it's like it's just yeah. It was so nice to like. I went there when I was 14, and I think that's kind of like the age when you start shutting down and like you stop playing, um, or like maybe even a little younger. Yeah. But I was kind of just a, a nerd, as I said, and so it was like it was just so good to like go to something at that age that was like no, keep playing, keep doing stories, keep being into fantasy. Um, it's been so cool that that sort of ended up being my career. Um, cause I think like if I hadn't gotten the okay when I was like 14, that like, it's okay to be interested in these things. I definitely would have kind of, kind of put the books away. Yeah. So yeah. And you Even mentioned something that, yeah. that I find interesting too, that there's, there's like these nerd, nerd parents that are doing this, this type of mm-hmm. stuff. I wonder what, what changed or what shifted is just the idea that there's more, it's, it's okay to, have a co- podcast about Dungeons and Dragons that that like, yep. you know, there's just more prevalence of media out there. Is that part of it? Part of part of like what specifically? Like how there's there's more uh, uh, parents who are talking about how to you know uh, uh, make their their kids as nerdy as they are. Oh yeah, I mean I think there's just we're just a nerdy generation, or like my generation and the one above me is just like we grew up on a lot of really good good nerd stuff. We had like a lot of fun stuff and I think maybe it was a little less uh, like socially um, looked down upon so people kind of come into adulthood with it and it's great and awesome but also like I don't know it is kind of funny to me to think about parents being like you have to like Harry Potter like you have to like Star Wars well it's true they won't (laughs) it's funny though but like because I've told you this the way kids are being brought up now is so different than the way you were brought up yeah is that I have actually had parents say to me specifically how do I get my kid into D&D like I really need my kid to play D&D I don't want him to do these other things I want him to play D&D mm-hmm. and like your mom was completely the opposite right she was like no take you these books you will never play D&D burn them they but have I think demons in them people realize what you know fantasy is a lot more mainstream now we've seen that with Harry Potter and right. Lord of the Rings and even like Twilight to an extent that you know glittering vampires kind of made that world more mainstream for more accessible at least where yeah. like it didn't feel like it was oh you're 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 uh, you know relegated to the back room or something like that yeah 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 so I think yeah. the parents probably see that the benefits of role playing games and even well, if even if they haven't played them themselves there's yeah. books for God's sakes there are books involved well and it's something that you mentioned like about fourteen or fifteen or sixteen that people uh, uh, lose that sense of play and I think yeah a lot of uh, uh, 
parents are seeing their kids looking at their phones or doing other things, and they're like, well, wait, Dungeons and Dragons, you're collaborating with your friends around a mm-hmm. table? Yeah, that is another thing I really love about it is that it is just like, I don't know, because I we play in person. I don't really, I'm not super interested in doing it over Skype. I love that you just, you're just at a table with your friends and mm-hmm. like, you're not really looking at your phones. And like, that's why I love LARP, LARPing as well. It's just like, you're out, outside in the woods. Like, it's so, it's sort of rare and special in these like days to have that kind of interaction with people. Yeah. Right. So if you program it for once a week, you know, at least you're like, all right, this is my time to, yep. to interact with humans. Face to face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And be alone the rest of the time. But at least there's yeah. a framework where I don't have to actually talk to them about real problems. <laughs> no. <laughs> just my fantasy problems. Right. But it's amazing how, how close you can get to people because you yeah. are just it's it is it's vulnerable to play a character and to, you know, share your ideas and to like do a voice if you do a voice. Like it's all kind of it's an act of trust that you're trusting the people around you to mm-hmm. like pick up what you're giving them. And so it I think it is like it's been really nice how close I've gotten with the people I've played with in the last couple of years. And then when somebody does something for you in the game, like I will never forget when Marty, when we were playing, it was I was like this weak little wizard in the background, and I got hit hard, and Marty was like, I'll take that damage. I was like, are you oh. kidding me? <laughs> and like it was not like small damage, but he was a lot stronger than me, and he was like, it's okay, I got this. And I'm like, Marty. I think it was in fourth edition, so he was probably he was bloody. The, the defender like, role. Yeah, to like odd. Yeah. I would never think to do that, <laughs> which is why I play a wizard. But <laughs> I don't <laughs> not have to selfless do that. at all. No, no, yeah. no, no. Um, but yeah, it's like you're right, and you, you, you can have these moments of, uh, of of empathy as well as like sacrifice that yeah. you can't really do in real life. No, without yeah. there being actual be a danger. Hero. And like, and then it made me like I want to do stuff. I want to be that person for my party too like, I really want to help and do things and contribute and keep them safe and yeah it's just a good feeling overall yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's real it's very real it is it is it's, it's like brought me closer to a lot of people I mean it's just it's almost like you're like having a dream together like I feel like those yeah. memories in your head are like like I have them when I've played in, in campaigns I have those memories as they hap- as if they happened to me and like they didn't it's a fake memory but I, at least I have like three other people I can talk to about it that's really cool like, yeah remember when we fought the glitch and like we almost died like it's great right and there's a no dream there... that, that's a really interesting way to, to think about it <laughs> very poetic yes <laughs> it's a dream you all share it's a shared it's a shared uh, uh, hallucination it kind of is too because a lot of times like you know, when you have a dream and you're, you go to tell someone, I had the weirdest dream last night. And it's like, I had the same is, one at the that, same but, time but also, when we like, killed the lich. It's not that interesting. <laughs> if you're not in the dream, like if somebody did not dream about you, I'm like, I don't really care about your dream. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but if it's like, like your D&D game, like it's fun to talk about with your D&D group. Right. Yeah. They were like the people who were there. I don't know when you talk to people outside yeah. of your D&D game, if they're that interested. It has to be a really special story. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on it's something like that transcends all that, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's also the loneliness of being the DM because you, like, everyone will be talking about it and you kind of, like, don't want to weigh in too much because you can't spill your secrets. But you're like, I did that too, guys. I was there. I have one other friend who's a DM and we'll sometimes just G chat each other and talk about the secrets in our campaign because I'm like, I got to tell someone. Yeah. That's the way to do it, right? Yeah. Have have an out- outlet there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A DM support group. Do you ever yeah. feel like you uh, create surrogates for yourself as NPCs uh, when you're DMing? Oh, I think so. It's funny, like, with 
the morality, which comes up a lot, because I think I'm a very uh, like practical person. And so a lot of my NPCs end up being pretty practical. And sometimes like I have people who are maybe like think more actively about morality who are playing the game who will kind of be like, you just said that like you're an evil person. And it's like, what? They're just I don't know. They're just a capitalist or something like are they evil? But I don't know. There's just kind of an interesting it's, it's interesting kind of like realizing when you have to make a bunch of characters to see like there's types that come up again and again. I like sad, angry people who are forced to do good things um, but cry <laughs> about it. Um, that's a fun type. <laughs> that would be good. Um, but yeah, I like, I, like pl- I like having like sort of amoral, practical NPCs. Um, but it is, it's funny when they come up against like very lawful good people uh, that I'm playing with. Right. Right. And then yeah. you, after the trend, you start to recognize being like, wait, maybe that's just me. I know. I know. I was kind of shocked, like in my my dwarf murder mystery, because I came up with all these characters and I was like, they're a fun, you know, diverse range. There's some really fun dwarfs that everyone will like. And then there's some like less fun dwarfs. And then like, I don't know, like one of our players, Brennan, um, who's playing a character called Humza, like was just by the end, he was like, all of these dwarfs are evil and horrible oh. and I hate this place. And I was like, no, they're, they're cool. Oh, no. <laughs> I described them as cool, but like, I, it's just funny. It's like really interesting to me how interpretations differ <laughs> on That's that true. kind of thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, they're all me. Come on, guys. I know. <laughs> You're saying I'm evil? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's super interesting. So you you happen to be a talented artist and a talented writer. But if you weren't a talented artist, would The Witch Boy have been a novel as opposed to a graphic novel? Um, I don't know. I sort of started as an artist, so I kind of I can't quite imagine it as a novel. Um, Yeah, it was very much dreamed up. I was kind of like, here's sort of a story I want to tell, or like a message that I want to explore, and then let me kind of figure out all the things I like to draw and then I'll put it all in a book. So a lot, it, it really started from like the visual standpoint. How do you write though? I mean, you, you're telling an entire story, but with a lot less words, like how do you know what to say? Like, how do you, I don't know. I I mean, I'm somebody, (laughs) obviously I can't even like finish sentences, but (laughs) despite being a very good vocal, I can't. Well, that is true. That's just another one of my characters. But if you write a script, right? It's like you actually write it almost like a movie script in a way where like this happens in this panel, that happens in that panel. Or how to, how to not, like how to cut out all of the stuff that's not needed to keep the story moving forward. Yeah. Graphic novels um, have a pretty short amount of plot that can actually fit in the book. Um, It's more comparable to like, in terms of like how many scenes can fit in, it's more comparable to like a movie than it would be to a novel. A novel is like usually a lot of story. Um, That's a huge generalization, but like that's, I've kind of found it to be true. So a comic is like the the witch boy, especially I made it really tight because I just kind of wanted to make it as short as I could to make sure I could do it. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just every story has sort of a classic like story structure, rising action, falling action, um, climax and everything. Um, So, yeah, kind of like trying to figure out like what I wanted to tell, the message I wanted to tell. I had these messages about gender identity and also about kind of being true to yourself and what happens when you're not true to yourself, how that can be really dangerous. And so I sort of use those messages um exploring them through like a metaphor of magic and then kind of use that to inform a lot of the plot so yeah it's (laughs) it's a process it's a lot of rewriting it's a lot of cutting (laughs) 
And it's a lot of like, you sort of do an outline and then write all of it and then realize it's all wrong and rewrite all of it and just keep Part doing of the that process. until you get something. And then like at a certain, like at a certain point I sit down and draw it. And then I realize, I usually realize at that point that I can cut out even more of the words cause it's, it's going to be in the pictures. So well, that's true. Yeah. It's a lot of like just refining it over and over again. And then when you send it out to publishers, is it already drawn and written or is it just the outline or like sketches of what? I sent them the scripts and some sketches, but it takes, it takes a very long time to make graphic novels. So mm-hmm. it's like, I kind of needed to know that someone would, would publish it first before I did it. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you ever read, and I'm just throwing this out there because a lot of what I read in The Witch Boy um, reminded me of her work, Robin Hobb. Uh, who did the uh, the uh, Assassin's uh, Quest, I think is the first one. Um, Gosh, the name sounds familiar, but I don't know Assassin's Quest. I think, yeah, she's I think a, a fantasy novelist? She's a fanny no- fantasy novelist, yeah. And in her, in her story, there's two kind of powers. One is called the skill, which is uh, like an, almost like intellect-based like magic. And the other one is called the wit, where you're dealing with, uh, um, you, you, you form a bond with an animal. And then oh, you, cool. you uh, uh, you know, you become almost like a like a ranger, like and their animal companion, like you become one, and you kind of get some of the features of the animal companion. But the wit is socially uh, repressed. You can't, mm. you no, you can't be a public member of the wit. Um, but this, but the the skill is something that I'm totally just giving away the plot of what this is. But it's super <laughs> interesting because it deals with a lot of these things. The skill is uh, royalty. Royalty has the skill, and they're the only ones mm-hmm. who can who can wield it, right? And then there's uh, the assassin is the, the eponymous character is a is a is a bastard who has both. He has the skill and the mm. wit, and it's about that play between them and like which one is. And he uses both of them in his in his. In his pl- in the plot and what's what he has to do to, to 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 save everybody's lives, right? But it was this nice little social interplay, um, and yeah. uh, I, I love it. That sounds really good. I haven't read that, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's so fun. Like, there's just so much you can do with magic. It's such a like in a story. It's such a like pure force of creation because it really can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's good for it to have rules too because it makes it make sense to the reader. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's really fun for just exploring those ideas of identity and this kind of like thing that you have within yourself that you can use and express or you can hide. Like, I think it's, it's, it's fun. There's a lot you can do with it. It's neat. Yeah. Oh, and then one, I mean, I just really liked the, the, the drawing of the witch spells uh, mm-hmm. in, I almost want to steal that from like my D&D campaign and be like, all right, so when you, cause you know, you always say like you use, you know your hands motioning and your mm-hmm. magic words and you cast the spell. Uh, but it's a little bit, it can be hokey unless you like have yeah. it all planned out. But then when, in the, in, when they're casting the spells, it's just that symbol or something like that. And that yes. was a great way yeah. to be like, yeah, like they're like, ar- no, yeah, yeah, where you're like arcane is happening and you're actually saying it out loud. Uh, and it was a great way to both visually get that across as well as like make it feel like it was, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. It had like D&D tropes of runes and magic and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I was like really excited about those because that's sort of something you could only do in a comic is that yeah. like when the character speaks instead of being a magical word, it's this rune. Um, and it's yeah. it's fun because like I was thinking about like, is there a magic language? Would it be, you know, like in Harry Potter, it's kind of Latin based or should I just make up random words? And everything felt kind of hokey. And then it was like, what if I, you know, really play with the fact that it's a comic and do this like symbol, which you can imagine it's spoken however you want. Um, yeah, I think it's fun. It's the runes are very inspired by like, I, 
had a character in a LARP that I played when I was a teen who would cast magic by writing runes on things. Oh, really? And so those runes look a lot like the ones that she would use, um, like drawing in chalk on the floor and stuff. It was fun. That is cool. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Wayfinder making it making its way into all of y'all uh-huh. what you're doing. Yeah, it's it was influential to me for sure. Yes, sure. <laughs> Very cool. So uh, tell us about your cat. This perfect. Can you can you cat. hear her? No, but I read about her that. I think you said she was perfect. She's perfect. Perfect. She's been like <laughs> to get into my office because I closed the door and that she's happened. like throwing herself oh. against the Cats door. Cats love Dragon Talk. Almost mm-hmm. every they time do. we Skype someone, their cat is always in the frame or okay. trying to get in there. So, so don't yeah, worry about it. She's just a big it. fan. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we get it. She loves DNC. So I actually, um, we have a kitten. We got a kitten together last year. And when we got her, she was like tiniest little fluffball, like the size of a little muffin. Um, She's orange. She's so cute. And the very first day I got her, we were also scheduled to play the first um, session of the campaign that I'm running right now. And like everyone came to my house and we met and the kitten was in her locked in her room, but she was crying a lot. So I took her out and I was like, she can walk on the table. She's so tiny. She like can barely walk. It's she's so cute. And like, we'll just let her hang out with us because she wanted to be with people. And she was like walking around on the table, screaming and screaming. And I was like, they were in the dungeon, like getting to like the pivotal moment. Um, It was very exciting. I like queued up my dramatic music. And then she just sat down and pooped right all over the table. Oh, (laughs) very bad cat. (laughs) And Somehow we still have her and we've been playing the D&D game and it's been successful. So I don't know if it was like a blessing, but hopefully that was just was, a one time thing. It was a one time thing. Yeah. It never happened again. She was very small. She was she role playing something. To go Aww. to the box. But it's, anyway, I hope you like tried to make the monster a poop monster at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Work it into the story. Work it in. You have this big monster coming at you. <laughs> Everyone needs to clean up aisle two. Uh, all right, thank you so much, uh, Molly, for calling in. Uh, really great talking to you. I feel like yeah, I, I feel like I learned great. so much. Gosh, thank you. This is lovely. I was so happy to be on. Awesome. Where can people find out about uh, the Witch Boy or you or or, or any any D and D tips that you can give them? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, my like website with all my info on it is mollyostertag.com, and I'm on Twitter. I'm pretty active on Twitter at mollyostertag where I definitely talk a lot about D&D on there and about books. So that's like where my most recent updates are. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, go check it out. Everybody go check out Witch Boy. And uh, thank you so much. We can't wait to thank hear more about your, yeah. uh, your projects you. coming forward and more D&D campaigns. Thank you. It was great to talk to you guys. You too. Thanks, Molly. Bye. Thank Bye. you. That was a really great interview. I feel like I know I really so like much. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, wealthy with knowledge now and I want to go make. I want to go to LARP camp. I want to go to LARP camp. Let's do it. So those foam swords that I have at my desk, yeah, those are from, there was another LARP camp. It wasn't that one. I think this one was in Massachusetts. Oh, really? Yeah. It was for kids. And nice. They exist. I had friends in college who, uh, yeah, they would do, or, they, they call it orc, orc whacking. And they were like, let's go do a, a, a weekend. And they, yeah, they were playing like orc number five or whatever. And they yeah. would do it where they would be dungeon mastering and it sounds fun. doing some of it. Yeah. It's pretty That's exciting. Cool. But she's wonderful. Yeah. Very likable. Very likable. Very talented. Easy to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I picked her, we picked her brain pretty well. Nothing left. Mostly but. you. I mean, you're a vocal talent and well. the Barbara Walters of Dragon Talk. That's right. <laughs> I am. This, ever- <laughs> this is my journalist voice. <laughs> I thought there was a Barbara. Tell me about. I don't know how to do Barbara's voice. She does a Baba Wawa. She does. Yes. Right. She, she's got kind of a weird, I don't know. Yeah. Like a, like a bit of an accent. 
I think I was lapsing into Fran Drescher there. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> you can do Long Island. Yeah, but Barbara Walters has that little twang to it, doesn't she? Yeah. What happened to Barbara Walters? She's still she's still out there making great interviews with people, right? Yeah, she maybe. Remember that was like the interview, right? She would get you to Bob cry. Was. Yeah. yeah, her the ten most fascinating people wasn't that her? Mm, I think you might be well, right. Why haven't we been on there? <laughs> I know. We clearly were like. Six and seven there's, on that list. There's a lot more uh, that we have to offer than uh, the random people that she interviews, right? Nice. Like celebrities oh, or something. Pulitzer Prize winner. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Boring. Boring. <laughs> we are, uh, you know, gold star winners. Uh, we get gold stars from our boss, don't we? You got a gold star? <laughs> you got a gold star? You got a gold star? <laughs> you got a bronze star. I'm sorry about that. I didn't get any stars. Oh, dang it. We get the Nathan. participation awards. Anyway. Presidential fitness award. <laughs> you got that? Everybody has. <laughs> I never Did got you get that? I didn't climb the rope. No, no there was no rope. You didn't have to climb the rope? No. Oh, okay. Remember that everybody got the award. I if did. you were like alive <laughs> and in school, you got the award. <laughs> It, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a famous award. It's uh, for yeah. Gile. Uh, we, need to, we need to wrap this up because you got to go. No, I don't. You don't? All right, fine. You're out the door. I'm good. All right. This was a fantastic uh, time talking to Molly. Go check out uh, her book. And uh, I, don't, I don't think I even have anything to sell. We are going to get Morton Kane's Tome of Foes out the door. Uh, very soon, actually, should be going to the printer any day now, yep. uh, if not out already and getting uh, back things. Uh, uh, what are they what's called? Galleys? That's what they're called, galleys. Yeah, good to um, you. And they're going to be uh, in stores uh, May 29th. It's not that far away. I think that's it. Where can people find out about you, Shelly Moo? Twitter, at Shelly Moo. Shelly Moo. What about you, Greg? I'm at Greg Tito on the Twitter, at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. As well, you can find everything about the D&D at dragonmag.com or on Dragon Plus on your Android or iOS device. Uh, Or go to dungeonsanddragons.com to find out all everything that's happening there. And don't forget to follow uh, wizard underscore D&D on Twitter as well as our Facebook page. And Avalon Hill. And Avalon Hill. Avalon Hill 2 on Twitter. Boogaloo. There might be some Avalon Hill news coming up. There will be. Do you want to spoil it now? No. They might even no, know it already. No, they no, know it already. No, no. Then we'll talk about it. It's got. It's got a. Stop. Damn it. Never do. <laughs> All right, everybody. I think it's time to to kill off uh, everything. Uh, Rocks fall. Why'd you everybody dies. Because you're bad. You're bad. You're bad.